going on, DJ Nation? Kenny Kim here bringing you another Fantasy Golf Generates podcast this week for the Scottish Open. As usual, I'm here with everybody's favorite Canadian, Tyler Tambaline. Tyler, how are you this week? I'm good, man. H- happy fourth to you. I'm back. I had my Canada Day celebration, and last week I took a little bit of a week off for the John Deere, but uh, good to get refreshed, come back into it. Had some fun over the weekend with the, the tournaments. There was live showdown. We had the, the regular stuff with John Deere. Had a couple good sweats there myself, so we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about everything as usual. Before we get into it, I want to remind everyone very quickly, this podcast and show is brought to you by FantasyNational.com. Head on over to FantasyNational.com slash FGD. Get yourself 20% off your first payment. Obviously a pretty good time to do it because we've got the Open coming up next week. The final major of the year. The final set of PGA Millie Makers, at least as far as I can tell. We'll see. And you never know what they could whip out on us here in the future with what they got going on now. We talked a little about Live Showdown. 50K up top, prize pools and stuff like that. But Kenny, how was your John Deere Classic? The postman delivered once again the old cliche line. Got the job done, though. And I mean, that was that for the John Deere for me. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't too exciting of an event. I mean, we didn't expect, you know, like, uh, you know, rockets and stuff flying out for for a uh, an event with this type of field. Uh, and, you know, the ending was a little bit disappointing just because, you know, Poston was what? At the John Deere Classic, at TPC Deer Run, he shoots one over on his last 15 holes and still wins by three or four. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, it sort of was a downer because there was a lot of people, you know, close by 17, 16, 15 range that I had money on, of course, um, that, that I thought could make a move, but no one decided to make any move. I know Griot got to 19 on Sunday uh, at one point in time, but then it had a couple bogeys going down. I know Bazine Hood was up there at 18 or 19. He couldn't hold it either. Uh, no one could really catch up to him. So uh, sort, of, sort of a boring Sunday. Uh, but, you know, good for JT Poston. Uh, you know, his game was trending. Uh, of course, my ass didn't use him. Even though, you know, his game was trending and he was playing pretty well. Good win for him. Uh, you know, about a little bit more than two years, almost three years since his last win. So the timing's perfect. You know what I'm saying? He's got his card wrapped up again. He gets You, you win every two and a half years. Uh, you know, that you got five years security of your job. So uh, it's good for him. It's good for his family. Uh, personally, it wasn't that great of a week for me. I, you know, I, I didn't get to watch too much early on. It was a you know July 4th weekend. So we're, we're partying, we're grilling, we're cooking out and stuff like that. So uh, it was what it was. Uh, personally, I like the live coverage. Uh, I watched that. I actually won more money in live than I did in <laughs> DraftKings this week. Uh, so if that tells you anything, playing in that uh, $20 showdown contest a couple of days, I did pretty well. Uh, what'd you think of the week? Yeah, I think a couple of things you said there. One was, you know, the JT Poston thing, it was either going to be uh, Michael Kim type runaway, because like you said, plus one over the last 15 holes, or whatever, and still wins by three. It was either going to be the Michael Kim runaway for him, or one of these guys were going to catch him if he continued, but he did that poorly over the last stretch and they still couldn't get there. I had a decent week all around. I actually had bet Goddard up at 125 and then hit it again at hundred had the each way top five. So he snuck in very luckily actually at the end, a nice little top five outright where nobody else was tied with him. There was no dead heat shit or anything. And then I had a double of him with the each way with Carl Yon or Juan. I forget how you say his last name on the corn Ferry tour came second. So I was sweating a pretty big double that I don't bet them very often, but uh, last week, because it was sort of a vacation week was just digging in a little bit more and, you know, spending some more money. It was vacation. So I thought that'd be a good way to do it. Ended up good on the betting side. Uh, DraftKings had some close calls. I think it was like 20th or something in the main 555. Almost got another Fantasy Golf World Championship seat. So trying to steadily get that third one. I got two in it already. But overall, 
not that exciting from a viewing perspective. I actually love the live stuff. Love, live, whatever you want to say. Live, love, laugh, like all the signs in the older people's houses. But that, that to me was pretty good. I, I know that people hate on it here and there. But for me, I think it's interesting. I think it's one of my biggest takeaways from it anyway, Kenny. And I'll get your thoughts. It's just like there's a couple things. But one is like we everyone wants everyone to ignore it. So anyone who's against it is like, oh, don't talk about it or don't bring it up or anything like that. Like it's happening no matter what we believe in, like, feel, anything, it's going to happen. And because I'm so invested into the sport of golf, it's what I do. It's what I'm playing. It's where I'm putting my money behind every week. I am going to pay attention to it. I am going to pass information along and talk about it. Uh, someone said to me, like, it's your job on Twitter to know, to give the right information. It's not my, my Twitter is my own stuff. I can literally say anything I want, anytime I want wherever I want. It's my own Twitter. So it's my own thoughts, personal opinions, everything. It's just my thoughts. And, and I think it is interesting, some of the stuff going on. I mean, I talked about it after the first event. To me, they fixed the leaderboard. If you want to bring that up for a sec, like they, they put more of the people's name on it. They shot it out so you could see their full name when they were taking their shot. It talked about if it was earlier versus if it was live. I, I liked all that stuff. I thought it was good. We know why there's more golf shots and no commercials and no TV deal and all that. And we, you know, there was a lot of talk over the weekend on what that means for the future. And we'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, I mean, it's totally different, but people watch like pimple popper MD and real housewives. Like I'm sure some of these top name golfers, this is not the USFL versus NFL of like low end talent. It's guys that people are saying that they don't believe have a game anymore or don't want to play competitive golf, which can be true. But I'm just saying, I think people would watch it. It just depends on who wants to take it on. And the only risk of a TV channel or, or a network, I should say, taking it on is the moral side of things. But I feel like that goes on in a lot of other ways in, on a lot of these networks out there. So what, what did you think uh, of the event in general? Any, any thoughts on the stuff I just talked about? And then I'm curious yeah. what you think of all the public conversation around it, like some of the worst takes. I've got a couple, but I, I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on some, you know, some of the things people are saying that you agree or don't agree with on, on the league or whatever you want to call it in general. At this point in time, I mean, you're right. I mean, it doesn't really matter what people say. It's happening. Yeah. It, it, it's going to happen. It is part of our circle right now because we cover golf. Uh, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's yeah. part of it now. I mean, that leaderboard was, you know, that, that leaderboard was way better than, than the leaderboard we saw at the John Deere. Uh, the coverage was a lot better. Uh, you know, they still moved around a lot, but I like the way they do the little graphics on the left. It made it more coherent, easier to follow. Uh, lots of golf. Uh, yeah, I, I it, it was fine. I enjoyed it. The leaderboard, DJ up there, Grace up there, Reed up there. I mean, there were some names. I mean, it was it was fun. It was a fun launch. Yeah, Brooks, uh, I think Bryson made their way yeah, up there. Like Brooks, it was, Brooks everybody Brooks fell was up apart. There, really. Perez shot an 80, still made, what, $175,000 from the team competition or whatever uh, it it happened. I think they need to focus a little bit more on that team, do a little bit more when it comes to the uh, outlining of how they show uh, where the teams are, uh, you know, score-wise and stuff like that. I think they need to do better at that because I think that could be a good idea. Uh, of it. I mean, I, I'm not Taylor Gooch, who's a fucking idiot, who should keep his mouth shut. That was That's probably the worst take that I heard all week was yeah. him calling uh, the team competition at, at Live maybe similar to the Ryder Cup, even though he has never played the Ryder Cup before. That was just ludicrous. He should probably just shut his mouth and not talk anymore uh, and just go play golf and collect his checks. Uh, you he know likes what I'm to saying? talk a lot. That was just, he also he's not helping. The, he's the not helping. You. The yeah. thank you, Jeff, or yeah. meme, whatever. He, yeah. I don't know what he put up exactly, but the thank you, like, yeah, he, like, he saved the PGA Tour or something. I definitely agree with you there. I think that was definitely one of the worst, but I do think it goes in with what they're doing, right? There's a couple talking points, and that's what I was going to say. Like, one of my, you know, I just, I'm going to go on the rant because it's the only 
sort of spot we have to get on and talk about it. And Twitter, there's only so many characters and so many people you can respond to. But I think the first one is what you just said. Taylor Gooch saying that they all said it like Ortiz was talking about because he came in second for like two point something million. He was talking about how many uh, people were out there rooting him on and, and speaking to him in Spanish and things like that that were out there. So uh, he had that going on. It was Reed who said it's not a Ryder Cup, but he said, I didn't have a lot of fans the first day, but now I might need to move to Portland because there's so many fans here for me and we're cheering them on. And oh, like they, these guys were keyed in to say that, but the biggest one. So first off, the worst take in all of live, I think I'll do it quickly because the second one's a bit longer. The first one is they're going to chop your head off if you have to withdraw or miss an event. Like it's not going to happen. These guys have contracts. They're going to lose their money. They're going to have to give money back. They're going to have to turn in cash that they receive. Most likely in my, it's still a contract. That's how it would work. If I miss shows for things, I'm not saying it's comparable. Just in anything in life, you miss days of work. You're allowed a few sick days, but eventually they're going to cut back and say you're not getting paid if you don't work. So uh, no one's getting their head chopped off, in my opinion, anyway, I don't think. So that's got to be the worst take. But the other one is the other talking point. I just hear it so many times. I, I was calling people out. I don't even care. I think it's the laziest narrative that there is that, oh, they want to play less, like they said, but now they're signing up to play more. And like, actually there's 15 PGA events versus next year is going to be 14 plus four majors. And the reason I think it's lazy is because unless you're basically Phil DJ Brooks, maybe Bryson, like those guys, Pat, Pat Perez got to play a bunch of events. Patrick Reed has to, they're playing a bunch of events because they have to grind it out to get their FedEx cup, to get access to this money. Did they do it for the money? Of course. Most finally, some people are admitting that Pat Perez, uh, Bryson kind of came out and said it in a different way. And I'll key on him in a second. But just what I was saying was, first off, it's three days versus four days. I love Sundays off. I don't get them during NFL season, but, you know, that's the time of year that I'm working on Sundays. I would love to have those off and just watch football and not have to work. I'm sure these guys have their own stuff. They want to do on Sundays. They won't have to grind as many events like the 30 events to get into the FedEx Cup if they don't want to. And on top of that, they're playing what they want when they want for guaranteed money. So, yeah, they want to play the Scottish Open this week, which, by the way, they just got it overturned. So I think the field's going to get bigger than what we talk about here tonight because Poulter, uh, um, Adrian Otegi, and I think Justin Harding were the three. But now everyone's going to line up tomorrow and see if they can sneak it in because how do they let those guys in and not the others? So we're going to have to see what happens there. But then lastly, I th this is the worst part of it. Everyone's taking like one year sample size. And this is where I think it's such a lazy take is Bryson said it the best. He explained, I, I think Bryson's actually going to retire after he does this stint of four years. Like DJ took four years, uh, Brooks or Bryson were on record of saying four and a half years or something like that. I think they're just going to stop playing and that's okay. It's whatever they want to do, but they will have more time off when they don't play golf in four years and made as much as Tiger Woods made on the course in his lengthy career. And that's what they're saying to me, but it's also a narrative that they're letting other golfers know, think about it that way so that they can try and recruit more people to come over. It's not rocket science. I'm just saying everyone's comparing one year to one year. And Bryson was the fine example saying like, I have other goals that this is going to help me achieve. I'm going to put the money into growing the game by building a driving range and getting kids into golf and doing fun stuff that I like doing. And I won't have to play as much golf right now. I'll play exactly where I want. And in four years, he can decide if he has enough money to just move on and do something else or do something else within the game. But he doesn't have to play more golf. Basically, that's that's the main point. Yeah, I can understand. And I mean, you, you get the time off in a few years. You get all the time you need. You know, yeah. I mean, like, you know, you're making even, even now you won't money. play yeah. likely more than three weeks in a row. If that, and that would be like a rare scenario where like the live event was last week, they want to play the Scottish open and they're going to play a major. 
but that's a pretty damn good three event stretch. The one that you have to go to because you're contracted to play where Pat Perez, by the way, got 900,000, 750 for the team event and the 170 or whatever it was for his position of just sucking. But Gooch, Reed and DJ crushed it. So he gets paid. So you get 900,000 for that whatever the number is, then you come out and play the Scottish Open, which everybody loves. So of course that's going to be on the docket, like Memorial, if they can play it, like API, if they can play it, these big name, high profile events, Genesis, the ones they want to play, not John Deere Classic. And then they're going to play the majors if they qualify and if they can. If they can't though, I think that's the other thing, Kenny. I don't think these guys care. That's what That was part of the business decision they made. The ones that are exempt and are in it want to play. So unless the majors ban them, they're going to play them. But I think for the other guys, it's like, well, if I don't get to play that, but I'm making 900 K every event I show up at, I'm going to take the 900 K and play a little bit less. And if I can make a major eventually, I will. If not, I'm happy with the money that I'm making. That's pretty much what it comes down to. Yeah. I mean, the argument between both sides is getting tiresome for me. Uh, yeah. I, I, it, it's golf. I'm going to watch golf. I thought the, 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 I thought the programming, I thought the way they, they, they put it out was fine this week. And, and if the names like that are going to be on top of the leaderboard, I'm going to watch, I'm going to gamble. I'm going to play DFS. That's just the way it is. I, I mean, if you don't want to watch, don't watch. The gambling is a huge aspect. Yeah. I couldn't if if you don't want to watch, don't watch. It's yeah. simple. I, I mean, if you don't want to hear about it, you know, fast forward. That's all. That's all you got to do. It's, it's simple. I mean, uh, you know, there's, there's correct arguments from both sides of the aisle here. Uh, so, I, I mean, you know, I can understand where people uh, who are negative on live. I understand exactly where they're coming from. People who, who want to watch it, just I want to watch it. That's it. I, I want to enjoy golf. I want to watch good golf. And last week, the golf was better on live than it was, at least in the top end of the leaderboard, than it was uh, on the PGA Tour. Now, is that going to happen every week? No. Does the PGA have a lot to worry about? Maybe. But, I mean, I think they'll be fine, too. I, I, as long as, as, long as, as, long as the, the, the live tour doesn't start poaching all this young talent, uh, the future of the PGA. I think that's going to be the biggest problem uh, if it comes down to it. But I mean, there's going to be great golfers on the PGA tour week in and week out. You're, we're going to watch it. And, and you know, if they build their roster a little bit more, I think they need about five or 10 more stars uh, for it to, to really be viable for live. You know, people are going to watch that too. It's just the way it's going to be. Uh, I think, you know, we're, I think it's, we're getting to the point where the arguments don't really matter. We just got to deal with it. Uh, and you can deal with it however way you want to uh, watch or don't watch. Basically it's simple. Uh, that's the way it goes. And, and you know, I, I like, I like the way it looked. I like the golfers that played. I'm going to watch, I'm going to gamble on it. This is the way it's going to be. Uh, I don't, I think, uh, that that's my thought on live now. I'm just grown tired of the argument. Um, people are arguing back and forth about it. It's, I, yeah. You can believe what you want to believe. I respect what you believe, but I'm just going to watch golf. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's basically about it. I like to gamble. Mm-hmm. I, l- I like to get the action mm-hmm. in and, you know, some will say there's no edge there because we don't know, but you, you don't know anything like the same as every week that we talk about this stuff. You can say it looks like the number one spot on paper for this guy. And then he goes out and misses the cut. It's like, it, you know, you never know exactly what's going on each week. So I think that's the other one that's just like, if you, like you said, if you want to gamble, gamble on it and play, people are going to talk about it. It's happening either way. All right, let's move on to the listener league winner from the John Deere classic this week. It was a Gubs corner member Gore 49. I think he's won before. This might not be his first win. A nice little Gups Corner avatar up there for us. Like seeing that. Uh, Charles Howe III was 22% owned. He had him finished in 13th. Lots of chalk hit. And, of course, last week I went, like, anti-chalk. I was like, fuck the chalk. Chalk ain't doing shit. Fuck it. 
and they all hit, and I lost a whole rack of money. So that's basically what happened last week. Uh, Bazinu, another guy who was pretty chalky, who finished pretty well, 17% owned. I think he finished in second place. Scott Stallings, another chalky guy, only about 10% owned in the, in our uh, in our listener league, finished in uh, what fourth place. Uh, JT Poston, he had the winner, uh, 22% owned. Oh, I'm sorry, 18% owned in the in the listener league. Solid by the, the, the D-Gen Nation over there. Of course, he won. Goderup, who was another popular guy, 17% owned. Uh, he finished in fourth. And Steven Yeager, uh, that was the one that was out of the blue. Uh, less than half a percent owned, finished in 30th. What did you think of the lineup? Yeah, I like it. I think you said a couple key points there, though. The chalk week definitely came through. I know a lot of people... Uh, myself included, I was you know interested in fading the chalk because it's a, an event that's one of the higher variance events that we see. But it also came down to like my classic saying, I always use not, it's not who you use, it's how you use them. And I think last week was a prime example. I know my buddy at Run Pure Big T won the 555 for 100K with a, an AM PM stack that had nobody, I think the lowest guy was 9.8%. Everyone else was like 12% or higher, but it wasn't, again, you, you can worry about ownership all day, but he played them in a way and this lineup is very similar. If you look like a lot of the same guys, so shout out to Gore 49er, but like, I like the setup of it. It had two nine Ks, two eight Ks and two sevens. Didn't go up top. Didn't go down low. We liked fading the top completely. I thought that was a good strategy. So that part made sense. Getting a guy like Bazoon out in there who I wouldn't have expected him to finish T2 in a birdie fest anytime soon, but he didn't really like, that's the result of what happened. He didn't need to. He was a guy that you could fit in as your second guy or third guy into your lineup and just come through for you because he had a decent week. He was just better than the other talent around him. He was 40 or 50 to one to win the event. So even if you didn't think that was going to happen, like I didn't, he made sense from a lineup construction there. So like the lineup all around, got her up the redemption. Obviously that's the last couple of weeks, but remember the first time we were on him here, it was the show. I know you and Baroff were on the show last week, but it was a show Baroff and I did when he missed the cut uh, the week before the U S open when he was super chalk. And I mean, just shows the talent that he is. He just missed the, 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 the cut that week came back, grinded the cut at the U S open has been great ever since. And up there in a top four for this week. So that was awesome to see. And then got to give a shout out. So Gore 49er will for sure be in the three man. We got him into the league. I think he won this league last year because he did join the league, but I recognize the name for sure. So I think he's a, a second time winner, but if not, okay, he's still going to be there with us, but got to give a shout out to LV big blue second and fifth, another Gups corner, very well-known, uh, a guy called OG. And he's a, a great dude all around, just crushed it. I thought he was running away with this thing all weekend, ended up getting second and fifth. I didn't even check where his last one finished because I think he was in for all three. It didn't, yeah, it was 172nd, but still second and fifth. He was right there in the mix with two pretty unique lineups. They were uh, only two of the guys the same within his core, four guys opposite. So congrats to Gore 49er. We'll see you in the three-man this week, got you in the Tournament of Champions. And then shout out to OG finishing second and fifth as well. All right, sounds good. Let's get to this week. Uh, the PGA Tour, yeah, of course, in conjunction with the DPA, DP World Tour, uh, head across the pond for the Scottish Open, uh, play from the Renaissance Club. Uh, this event has been played at the Renaissance Club the last three years, uh, but this is the first time it has been co-sanctioned by the PGA and DP World Tours. Uh, in the three previous iterations of this event, scoring has been weather-dependent. Uh, Weisberger and Minwoo Lee won here in good weather conditions with a score of minus 22 and minus 18, uh, respectively. Also, Aaron Ride defeated Fleetwood in a playoff here during windy, cold conditions with a score of minus 11. Uh, as with some links types courses, the weather is the main defense of the course, and it looks like it will defend it pretty well uh, this week. Uh, it's Monday, so take it with a grain of salt, but it looks like 30 to 35 mile per hour gusts 
uh, for the week. It looks like there's even going to be like 40, 45 mile per hour gusts on Wednesday, uh, which should suck any moisture uh, that the course has, leaving it firm, fast, and difficult. Uh, when it comes to some comp courses, uh, I know it'll be tough, but for PGA Tour players, you, you might want to, you know, of course, you're going to look at past Open Championships, possibly the RSM Classic, Honda Classic, you know, both seaside courses where wind can play a large factor. Uh, for Euros, looking at the past three years here, uh, Open Championship, uh, any other event in Great Britain, Ireland, Scotland, for the most part. I know last week's Irish Open is more of a Parkland course than a uh, Lynx course. So that's something you keep in mind when you're looking at current form when it comes to Lynx. Um, you know, you should look at those. I know like the Dutch Open is something that someone said that, that might be similar. Um, if you're looking for a, a correlation event that contains both PGA and Euro players on a Lynx-style course, you can go back to the Saudi International. Uh, played at Royal Royal Greens this past year. Of course, HV3 was the winner of that event. Now, uh, looking at the meat of the club, the Renaissance Club is a 7,300-yard length-style par 71, nine par fours, five par threes, four par fives. A little bit different there. Uh, the four par fives, the drivable par four fifth, and the two short par threes are the easy seven holes on the course, all playing under par these past three years. Golfers need to take advantage of these three holes throughout the week to be in contention. Um, now, this is not a true links course as only four holes play alongside the ocean, uh, but it has all the other components of a link style of link style golf. Uh, off the tee golfers are going to see average to above average size rolling fairways with a fair amount of undulation and mounds. Uh, these fairways will play firm and fast, so driving accuracy numbers should be below normal. Now, if golfers just miss the fairway in the rough, um, it shouldn't be too difficult to play out of, but link style imagination and use of the ground game could be needed on some approaches where golfers uh, are playing out of the rough. Uh, now, golfers uh, will love the rough compared to the deep fairway pot bunkers. Uh, get too close to the edge, get in those bunkers, get close to the edge of those. I mean, even if, even if you get in the back, sometimes it's going to be so hard to get it up quick enough that a lot of those uh drives that are hit in pot bunkers around the fairway they're gonna have to chip out sideways uh, now uh, unlike true links courses there are a few trees to deal with if golfers miss wildly off the tee and wild drives can also find some high fescue in some areas uh, now on approaches golfers will see large massively undulating slow greens i'd expect them to be very firm with the wind and weather forecast leading up uh, pot bunkers surround these upside down bowl-shaped greens there are large runoff areas, which we'll see a lot of play, especially if the wind forecast stays true. Uh, these elevated greens will be difficult to, difficult to get it up and down and in, 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 up and down. So short game prowess definitely going to be needed this week. Uh, the grass on the greens is fescue with a stint meter rating of around 10 and a half or lower. Um, I would expect with the winds uh, in the forecast. Uh, once again, tricky pot bunkers come into play around the greens. Uh, if the weather holds, I expect a lot of par putts from five to 10 feet this week. What are you looking for in golfers, Tambo? Yeah, I think the weather you talked about is going to be one of the bigger factors for sure. You know, interestingly enough, when we get to the tiers and we'll talk about it, but like none of the guys into like none of these guys at the top played besides Matthew Fitzpatrick in 2020, which is the year Rye won that it was the 11 under with the winds affecting it and all of that. So uh, I don't know. That's interesting because like earlier forecasts, as I was looking last night and today, like first thing this morning, it actually seemed like it maybe wasn't going to be that crazy. And now already that's how quickly it can switch where 
it, it may be the, the case that that's it. So definitely going to keep an eye on that. You mentioned short game, shorter putts, five to 10 feet, things like that. If the wind picks up, that's going to be key. Uh, if not, I mean, I've looked at stuff from last year, especially, you know, going back the two scoring years, the par five scoring was just critical. Like people, some guys went like 14 under on the par fives and stuff. So, you know, yeah, funny enough, the guys that went low on the par fives didn't really score well on the par fours. They just, they did enough damage on the par fives. And obviously distance came in to be a factor and all of those things. So usually this field overall tee to green for me, that's the other thing, Kenny, you mentioned it, but like just the, the conjunction factor and everything they've got going on here with all these big names, I think it's 19 of the world's top 20 Rory, I believe is the only one, maybe it's 14 to the top 15. No, either way, it's no Rory, but the point would be that like, you know, a couple of things, one strength of field matters. We're going to talk about that when we get into some of this stuff, I'll use Ryan Fox as a great example later on, but uh, you know, not the same field that we're used to. It's a much stronger field. We talk about this in the past. We've talked about it with guys like Daniel Berger, Adam Scott at certain courses where they may, might be in a, a weaker field as a stronger player that usually comes top 30 in those majors and then can win like an AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am for Berger. It's kind of the reverse factor here. Some of these guys you'll see pop, some of these Euros especially that, you know, just had a great week or whatever it might be or have been playing incredible golf on the DP World Tour doesn't really lock them in or guarantee them here because I will say this, the second part that goes with it last year, the only guy in the five-figure price range that didn't do well, he actually missed the cut, was Rory. He's not here this year. And the other guys that were up top were like um, JT, Fitzpatrick, Xander and Rom Scheffler made the cut and did well as well. He just wasn't priced like he was because obviously the year he's having, but those other four all finished in the top 10. And this year they're right behind Scheffler, Rom, JT, Fitzpatrick, Schauffele. Those guys were all up there last year, 9,900 to about 10, six or something. They all finished in the top 10. So you're thinking stars and scrubs, I think roster construction that will come into play as well. Again, the weather being one of the biggest factors. So that, that's sort of the main thoughts for this week, Kenny. All right. So let's get to these tiers. Let's start up in this 10 K range. We do have, uh, Fitzpatrick all the way up to Scotty. What are you going, how are you going about this this week? Yeah, it, like I said, that this is where I think you're going to be able to find, you know, the guys that you want to get after. I think you can definitely play a couple of these guys, especially if we end up in a situation where, like you said, it's with wind, high winds and stuff like that. Just talking from, from both angles quick. But if you've got that, then it's even more likely that just two of the best in the world could find their way in a breakout spot here and be able to find their way up. So you could have Rom Fitz, you could have JT Fitz, you could have Scheffler with, someone down in that 9K range, but the higher, like Xander, I could mix in to the group above. So I think that's where playing two of these guys would be okay. Uh, for me, it's going to be Rom. I, I still think Rom is just a great play. I know Scheffler's 200 bucks more. I just, um, if I'm picking one, it's Rom. And that's because, like I said, a couple factors. One, you look at last year, uh, seventh year, he was the only guy, lost almost two strokes putting. Everyone else gained five or more in the top 10 and, or top seven or whatever it was. And he was the only one to lose strokes. Literally could have won this. I still think, Everything he's got going on this year, people are saying it's so bad, but on, on paper, it's still not horrible. It's just a, a down spot for Rom because we expect so much more, but it's usually a top 10 or better. So I, I like his floor upside combination. He fits the stats that I'm looking at. Of course, it's John Rom. And then, of course, just in general, looking at it, I think it's now where we even saw it. Like last time out, Scotty did get over 20%. So I'm not sure it's the case where Rom is 25 and Scotty's 15 or 12, like we were getting beforehand. And that's where you got to make that decision as well. Do you, do you think it's possible that Rom's lowest, lowest don't guy in, the, in from nine from Xander up? No, I, well, I say no, but I mean, like Fitz actually has the history, three straight make cuts Fitz for the second and, last year. Fitz so Fitz normally, and JT say, would probably be the highest owned. Yeah, ten K range. It's it's probably it's still probably Scheffler, just because it's going to be you know everyone, especially in the higher stakes, people play Rom anyway. But Scheffler 
if he's getting 18 to 20, that might be the lowest. Cause I know JT, uh, at least uh, I would expect up front with eighth and ninth in the two years that he played it here. And then on top of just how his game's been and everything about him and his price savings and all of that usually makes him popular fits. Like you said, though, is probably popular now too. Not only was he second tier last year, but at the same time, uh, people are okay with paying that price now, I guess. So uh, it feels like, you know, you nailed it with the ownership there. I'm going to play Rom no matter what, uh, you know, after that right now, probably fits if, if he's less popular than JT, but I'm, I'm definitely going to let ownership help with some of those decisions come Wednesday evening. But for right now, uh, I think Rom is the only guy I really care about up top here out of the gates. Yeah. I'm playing Fitz as my first cash game cornerstone. Like you said, uh, second year last year. I mean, the game seems like it should be suited perfectly for this course, right? I mean, his iron game has been really, really strong. His ball striking has been unbelievable. He's top five in strokes gained around the green on tour this season. Um, you know, he has the course history. The last time he played, he, I think he finished top 10 at the Saudi International, another windy links type course. Uh, I don't, I could see him winning again. And he has the confidence of coming off a U.S. Open win. It's been a few weeks. He's probably got his partying done, I, I would I'd expect. Now he's back to being focused uh, on golf. I think he can win again. I, I don't mind the bet at 18-1 to 1 for, for Fitz as well. So he's my first cash game corner. So I'm going to be playing Justin Thomas uh, again, short game, strong, par five, strong. Uh, of course, history here. I, I have no problem with that. And I'm probably going to play a third uh, up here because, you know, Fitz is going to be my cash. So I'm going to play probably 20% max. Uh, you know, and then I'll have somebody at like 40 and 25 more than likely we'll see, but I, I think I'm going to wait until I see the ownership on Rom and Scheffler and pick one, uh, for, for, for that, uh, when it comes down to it, we'll see if I decide to go Xander instead, then maybe I stay away from those top two and just go JT Fitz Xander. We'll have to see how that goes as the week progresses and we see ownership, but let's go ahead and move down to the nine K range. I mean, uh, Xander, of course, is one that, that pops out. I think he was a uh, top 25. He's had a second at an open cha- championship. Uh, if I remember right, he was top 25 in the Saudi International uh, this past uh, January when they played. Uh, and, of course, he's coming off a win. Confidence should be there. Uh, Iron game, of course, always strong. T to green strong. Uh, we'll see. Is around the green has been above average. Uh, so I, I like Xander. I, I like the guys on the bottom. Uh, a lot. Burns, Cam, and Hideki. Uh, I'll be playing those three a bunch. Um, you, you know, when it comes to Cam, of course, the short game's there. The par five scoring is there. Really good from 150 to 175. You'll see a lot of approaches in that area. I like Cam a lot. He's probably my favorite play uh, in this 9K range. Uh, I'll play a lot of Cam Smith, but Burns and Hideki are right there. Um, you know, Hideki with the solid short game. It's been, hasn't been as good here recently, but still well above average. Again, the par five scoring is there, 150 to 175, all solid. I like Hideki and I like Sam Burns. Uh, those are the guys I'm going to go with in a 9K range. Yeah, of note too with uh, Xander. I know it's random, but it'll come up. I, he's, uh, you know, he's he's up, I think, five strokes. And I know it's only a Pro-Am charity event, the J.P. McManus, but lots of big names in that event. And he's winning it right now too after coming off the win, after, like you said, coming 10th here last year. He's, he's got a little bit of a run going where he just looks good right now. So I think he'll be very popular at 9,900 for good reason. But that's where, like you said, you can go up to Fitzpatrick for 200 bucks more or you can go down. Uh, I'm going to talk about him, but Cantlay, no history here. But if like, this is the thing, again, Cantlay's perceived to have such a bad year, 13th, 14th, third, missed cut, team event win with Xander. And, and then second, right before that, losing in the playoff to Jordan Spieth at the RBC Heritage. So I don't think it's that bad. And I think it's priced in. He's 9,600. He's not 10K. He's not 11K. He's $9,600. So I think you can get some 
some leverage there. I think Zalatoris, uh, again, Kenny, we go back to it, man. I bring it up every time, but you know, since you brought it up, we could be in a position. I, I'm not going to go into it for the hundredth time, but the betting angle, I'm going to save that for Ryan Fox in a little bit, but uh, don't have to worry about betting him at 25 or 22 to one. Cause I'm just not doing that. But at 9,300, that price is fair. You talked about it. The guy almost could have two majors just from this year alone, on top of all the other finishes that he has with the numbers to go with Scheffler and Morikawa and Hovland and those guys. So I think he's an interesting play at 9,300. It's not likely to be a birdie fest, especially if that wind is up, a solid tee to green game, the approach, all of that stuff. And shit, the guy was walking in putts last time out we saw him, like on a primetime Sunday, like walking shit in and fist bumping it before it even goes down. So I don't know. I feel pretty good about him at 9,300. I like your Smith call. I fear he will get a little bit popular and I understand why I'll talk about somebody else in a minute that I think is, you know, the same, but maybe at less ownership for once, maybe not. We'll, we'll see. But then also I like your decky call. I think he's another one. I know after the DQ, everyone was worried about him for the, the paint on the face of the three wood or whatever, but then he came back out and got fourth a uh, really good run last time out. We saw him. So I think if you can just get to that at nine K Shit, I don't like the guy when he's 10K plus, but at 9K, I'm, I'm fine with it. So uh, Decky, Zalatoris, Cantlay, and then pick your pick your poison between Shafle and Smith. They're both going to be popular for good reason on paper. Uh, you don't have to fade all the chalk. So, I mean, this is where you would find the potential good chalk, if you will, usually in this upper 9K range or up into the five-figure range. But for me, uh, those other three, I definitely like for tournaments. All right, let's go to this 8K range. I do like this 8K range a lot. I got a couple of cash game corners. I mean, you're going to talk about Ryan Fox. But uh, I got uh, Sanjay as my um, next cash game cornerstone. Again, elite short game. Uh, you know, prior to his miscut at the U.S. Open, he was playing really well. A bunch of top 25s, a bunch of top 10s. Uh, you know, you know uh, Tita Green, he's exceptionally solid. Uh, so I like Sungjae as my uh, second cash game cornerstone. My third cash game cornerstone is going to be Fleetwood, who lost in a uh, playoff to Rye here. Uh, again, this is his neck of the woods, his type of golf course. Uh, he's played well here in the past. It's not like his season has been horrible. There's been some up and downs, but he's been trending slightly upward uh, throughout the whole progression of the season. Uh, so I like Tommy uh, as my third cash game cornerstone, but there's plenty of GPP plays uh, in this range here. I think Spieth, very interesting at $8,900. Seems like you're getting value from a guy who's, you know, striking the ball exceptionally well this year with a solid uh, short game and stuff they're going to need uh, at this course. Neiman, another guy that sh- has that low wind piercing ball flight. The wind does get uh, up there a bunch. He can cut through that wind, uh, play well. Like I think he had a top 10 um, at the um, at Royal uh, Royal. The, the Saudi international tournament that was played here earlier, uh, that was played earlier this year, which is another link style course, similar to the one that we're going to see this week, Billy Horschel, another one who I, you know, he, he's comfortable playing in the European tour. Uh, his short game is solid. I, not a very popular guy to ever really play, uh, but you get a hot putter mixed with his solid short game. Uh, he could, he could do some damage. Um, those are some of the guys that I like in a strange. What about you? Yeah, a few things. Um, right out of the gate, like the bottom of that range, I think you talked about, but like, so you've got Fleetwood, Connors, Cam Young, Homa, and then Bradley at 7,900 in the next range was having a great season. So I think that's where a lot of the ownership gets tied up. I do wonder, I just, not everyone can be, can be owned. So I'm just talking like from a, a roster construction perspective, but when you go up into this upper 8K range, this guy I was going to talk about first was Jordan Spieth because I, Cam Smith is better on paper, better year, better everything, but 
it's kind of the same setup and it's exactly what we want for speed. You can get away with it off the, the driving accuracy hasn't been a thing here. You don't need that. He's long enough. He has that creative short game. He can make birdies. If there are, if there are birdies to be had out there, like he's just the guy that finds his way through it. And has he's won an open before, like he's got the ability. So at 8,900, that just seems cheap. I don't know how that will fare with the general public as we get out there first look, obviously, but just in general, that was my first thoughts. And then if people are going to flock, to the bottom of this range or middle of it, I'll get to in a second. Then it seems like him and Hovland would be guys that are a little bit wide open. I like your M call. I like your Neiman call. So I like those guys at the top more than I like the guys at the bottom. What I was going to say about Fox and I brought this up. It's funny enough. It's against Will Zalatoris. I just saw people rushing to bet him at 50 to one today. And I think that's ludicrous because of the strength of field. We talked about this. So if funny enough, it comps well with Will Zalatoris, Will Zalatoris, here's his right results. Second, fifth, second, fourth, sixth, fifth, with two missed cuts. Ryan Fox, second, third, second, second, eighth, ninth, with a missed cut and a 54th. Aren't they the same? No, it's completely fucking different. Here's why. One guy's doing it in majors and top-end events with 600 strength of field, while the other guy's doing it in the field strength of 60 to 90, which is like John Deere Classic or Live Event type strength of field. So it's like, you want to talk shit about that stuff? It's like, then how is he automatic and i'm actually disappointed that they made him like 8500 because i think that will keep his ownership down and i would have preferred it to be higher but i will say this it, you know just the second point to it is i would never bet him at 50 to 1 i just think that's horrible i don't think he's going to win i think the field is way too strong i think like a top 20 would be better if you want to do that but the one thing you know just to go against my previous thought and just again it's a first look throwing it out there is if you saw him come in at like 5 to 10% or something low because of his price tag maybe then that's yeah. where you would want to get involved because if everyone's thinking like I am originally, I could see him making the cut and doing it. I'm just saying, don't be surprised if he makes the cut and comes in 48 and you, you just can't fall back on, but the guy came second a bunch of times coming in. Yes. He came in second with fields where Catlin was coming in fourth and Jorge Campillo and stuff like this. Like it's not even close to the same field strength that he's doing those results in. And I think that matters a lot more if we're going to do it the other way. Like I talked earlier about with, Adam Scott and the burgers and the Louis Oosthuizen's and guys like that, that we would use in majors where we would say, we don't want to use them there because the field strength is too strong, but if they played weaker events, we would play them. I remember Adam Scott almost won the window, <laughs> should have won it the five footer burger won the AT&T pro. And we use the exact same thought process in reverse. And that's why I'm bringing it up here. If he's going to be 5%, do whatever you want. I'm just saying I wouldn't rush to bet him at 50 to one because I think there's a lot of other guys out there you could bet instead that I think actually would have more upside to actually win this type of strength of field or event. So that, that's just yeah, my I mean, think, think about it. He hasn't been like the greatest links player in the world. I mean, a lot of his damage has come on like Parkland style European courses, uh, but he did come in second at the Dutch open, which is a link style course, similar to what we've seen here. So it's not like all is lost when he hits the links or types courses. He did finish second at the Dutch open. That was pretty recent. Uh, within the last two months, his last time out on a length style course. Yeah, uh, and now, I forget I, too, just to add another tidbit to it, I did see something today that the guy, the last two of the last three winners had something to do with coming in second at the Irish Open the week before, which he did just come in second. But that again, it's a narrative that's who like he also again the Irish Open not a links course this year. Yeah, he he also played here the last three years and went forty fourth, miscut, miscut, and now he plays it in the strongest field yet of the last three years. So like that, that's all I'm bringing up of it. Don't let it surprise you. If he doesn't come through, it would surprise me 
if he came through and won or if he came in through and got top five. And some people See, say, well, why would he, that surprise here's the you? Thing. I think, but, I think with the, with the strength of the DFS players and the knowledge that DFS players have nowadays, three, four years ago, an $8,500 Ryan Fox would be five, 7%. Now with people a lot more knowledgeable about the game and they see his, his, how he's been playing and they actually might even recognize his name. The majority of players that play DFS, at least to get the majority entries in. I mean, there's a lot less fish uh, in DFS. I can tell you that right now. Well, that's and, where I and, would argue the opposite then though. I would say that mean? I would say three or four years ago, someone would look at his court or his recent history, recent form, sorry, and see all those seconds and yeah, just they play wouldn't, him they, based they on wouldn't that. play him at this price. But that's what I'm wondering. If they would, well, that's where the around. argument lies because I think yeah. they would versus now they're like, yeah, those are all second places. But if they think like me, they know those aren't second places in legitimate events like this one. They're just a lot of second places on paper where, you know, he, he did it on DP world tour. You can't take it away. And there could be wins in there and everything. I'm just saying it's hard to win there just like it is on the PGA tour, but that to me still matters. And that's how I do a lot of my stuff. I think of it from that perspective, we're comparing apples to apples, those field strengths where he's coming in second are not this type of field where he has to go up against all these dudes. Like that, that to me matters more than most things. And if he does it good for him, he's obviously in great form. It's not saying he can't come through. It's just saying I wouldn't be rushing to bet him at 50 to one, my same Zalatoris argument that I always make at 20 or 22 to one. I don't think he's a 50 to one bet this week. I don't think that's a good number. If I can get him a single digit own, I'll play him. I, I that's, think. Where I, I, that's where I'm saying. That's where I contradicted just to make sure it was clear that that was at least where you could make some sense of it, right? If he comes in at five or 6% owned, then you can get double the field with 12%, take your chances and see if he can just ride the heater regardless of strength, the field. Cause Hey, last year, there was a bunch of guys up there that came through that were like $6,500, $7,000 golfers that most people wouldn't know that much about, maybe heard them, but that's the case. So maybe, but I, again, this field is stronger. I think it's literally one of the strongest fields ever on the DP world tour history. So uh, because it's technically co-sanctioned in that, that, that where that's where that conversation piece comes up, but I'd have to look into it more. I just remember seeing, I think it's top 19 of the world top 20 that are in the tournament field. All right, yeah, let's move on again. You know, uh, let's move on to the 7K range. Why don't you just go ahead there, Campbell? Yeah, I didn't spend too much time on it. Like Keegan Bradley as one I mentioned earlier. Like I, I saw that. Tyrrell Hatton interests me a little bit at 7,800. We'll see if he gets popular or whatnot. But one thing I will say about him, he's talked shit about every course he's been on all year long. And this is a course that he's got 18th and 14th on it. You know, the two of the three times that he's played it. So, um, or two, two of the last three years they played it here. You only played the two and got 18th and 14th. So I think he's interesting at 7,800. Moronk, it like, so this is the other thing about the Ryan Fox factor, uh, not advocating for him either, just explaining, but like 7,700. Moronk is the guy that beat Ryan Fox last week, has his own uh, recent form, third, sixth, third, third, four of his six events. Same strength of fields as Fox. So it's like, there's your, your guy for 800 bucks less that just beat Ryan Fox by three strokes that also has the same recent form as him. And there's others when I go down as well. So I think there's just little things like that that you can look at. I know you'll talk about Lucas Herbert there at 7,600. He's got a couple fourths back to back. I did notice it for last year and for his most recent stuff. It's just what he does though, but he's a lot of short game for, for him. So it always worries me when you need that. Like I'm talking not just the around the green, but the putter as well. So again, the around the green can be more than helpful. Like you mentioned, I think Bobby Mack will be popular for good reason. Uh, obviously, you know, a native of, of the area, but also the fact that he's just good. He's, he's been good in majors. He's been good in those stronger fields. He's been good here. Like everything lines up for him. Uh, Norin, 
if it's going to be that grinded out type, I, I like Norin. I think he's going to be in a good spot here. Chris Kirk, if it's going to be that grinded out style, I would have some interest in at 7,400. Gary Woodland, talking about a guy, again, it may seem crazy, but if you know you don't need super driving accuracy, you can club down off the tee, hits that low stinger. We talked about it with Neiman earlier, and then you've got the ability to have you know sort of a, a tougher course, tougher setup where that could work in his favor, almost like how he won the U.S. Open that year. I think that's interesting. And then there was somebody else, um, Aaron Rye. 7,400 one here, you know, two years ago, but it just in, in general at 7,400, I think he'll pick up a little bit of steam. So that's the only thing that worries me there. Just trying to see if there's anyone else at the bottom of this range. Luke list stands out a little bit. Siwoo Kim boomer bust. I always talk about him for that reason. After that, not too much else. Maybe some others will come up, but who do you got here in the seven K range? So my final casting cornerstone is going to be Lucas Herbert yeah. uh, at, at 7,600. If you look, uh, PGA Splits 101. So at PGA Splits 101 on Twitter, uh, put this out. Strokes gained total leaders uh, at the Renaissance Club the last three years. Herbert is number one, uh, gaining 20.7 strokes total uh, the last three years. Detry, two at 18.7. Min Woo, 16.4. Fleetwood, 16.4. Van Royen, 16. That's the top five. Um, you know, you, you got Wallace, Rye, Hatton, Bobby Mack, uh, Patty Harrington uh, filling out the rest of the top 10. Uh, so this guy loves this course. He loves playing this course. Finished, what, I think top 10 last week uh, at the Iris Open. So coming with good yeah. form, good course history here. Uh, Link style type player. That, you know, he, he likes playing these type of courses. I'll go ahead and use him as my final cash game cornerstone. So my cash game cornerstones this week are going to be Fitzpatrick at 10-1, um, uh, M at 8-7, uh, Fleetwood at 8-4, and Herbert at 7-6. It still leaves you over $15,000 to finish out the rest of your lineup. Other guys I do like in this 7K range, um, up near the top, I, I like Hatton a lot. Uh, he's going to be one of my higher own. I like his short game. I'm hoping his ownership stays down because of, you know, he's, he hasn't been playing well here recently, but he's back on his home turf, back in, in a little bit more comfortability uh, with these link style courses. Again, I think he was top 10 in strokes game total at this event the last three years. Uh, his short game is solid. I, I'm hoping people don't use him that often, but we'll see. People are a lot smarter nowadays. He'll probably still go on ownership, but I don't think he's going to be more than 12 to 15%. Uh, so yeah, I like Hatton a lot. Um, Hood showed something last week. Uh, you know, his short game's just been okay, but usually his short game has been is one of the better parts of his game. It's just been not that good this season, and that's why you haven't seen the higher finishes from him, especially on difficult courses. Uh, but he played well last week. I'm hoping that short game can come alive a little bit because he's really good from 150 to 175. It's probably the strength of his iron game. Uh, you're gonna see a fair amount of shots. From that range, I suspect Harold Varner, uh, winner of the Saudi International in windy conditions on a link style course uh, with a, a really strong field uh, in that Saudi International because everyone paid there to go uh, recruit and Saudis basically paid them to come there so they can recruit them for the live tour uh, basically is what happened. Uh, but I like I like uh, HV3 uh, a lot. Doesn't miss too many cuts. Strong iron game, strong short game. That's going to be the two most important things, I think. And he's top 10, uh, you know, in the last 50 rounds uh, in this field. Of course, this field's a little bit different. You're only going to get about half the uh, amount of players with record stats because a lot of them play uh, because you're getting like 75 from the PGA Tour and 75 just from the Euro Tour. Um, other guys, if you're going down just a little bit more, uh, Chris Kirk interests me. Another short game who's had a really, really strong season. T to green has been exceptionally strong all year. I can get behind Matt Kuchar. 
the old guys on link style courses uh, across the pond, I think they can compete more than these bomb heavy type uh, courses you see on the PGA tour. Now I think length will still help this week. We've seen it correlate sort of within a top 20. Uh, a lot of the top 20 finishers in this event, the last three years have been longer players, but you can get by with being short as long as you're good from certain ranges and good around the green. And I think, you know, a, a lot of it, you're going to get a lot of roll. So they're going to hit it a little bit farther than they normally do anyways. Uh, uh, the shorter guys. So I, I, I can go with a little bit of Kuchar. I can go with Min Wu, uh, who's been playing fairly well, top 30 uh, at his last major played. Again, a former winner here. Uh, Stat-wise, it's not really going to cor- correlate very well to what you see in your models. Uh, but I like Min Wu. I like 110 to 1. Not the worst number in the world from a former champion. Um, so, so I went ahead and bet that. Mackenzie Hughes, again, short game, tough courses, good putter. I can get behind Matt Hughes, your Canadian brethren. Uh, and then you got the, the, the course history guys like Van Royen, Detry, and English, all right there in that low 7,000 range, all in the top 10 in strokes gained total at this course the last three years. Um, let's go ahead and move on to the 6K range. Tambo, go ahead. I'm just going to add a couple more because you hit me on them. I like the Varner call. I like the Bez call. Uh, I was going to add two more. You said uh, Min Woo and then EVR. I was going to mention that. So EVR, we might get the benefit of this. I, we Again, what's our same three things we always say about EVR? Is he cheap? Check. 7,100. Is it a strong field? Big name event type thing? Yes. He's still there. And then what's he like coming in? And right now it's not great, but the benefit is he actually did well here the year it was tougher. So I think if that's the case, even better. So I might get him at a little bit lower ownership too. So I like the EVR call. And then lastly, Jordan Smith. This I uh, had to bring it up because Bearoff loves this guy. We always talk about him. But anyway, he has some of his own little recent form coming in. It's like uh, Ryan Fox Jr., 8th, 10th, 24th, 24th, 18th, all the good uh, approach stats, everything like that coming in as well, if you look. So uh, at 7,300, not going to go crazy with it, but I just think it's another guy that you could consider there. Let's go on, though. Let's look. $6,900 Ricky Fowler. Kenny, he's second right now behind Xander in the, the J.P. McManus, the Pro-Am charity event there. Any any love for Ricky Fowler? At I mean, that, that cheap with his short game still being decent, maybe? Maybe we said all this is what we've said. We'll, we'll wait till he's – everyone in the world that talks shit said, including me, we'll wait till he's under 7K. Well, here he is, 6,900. They're tempting your ass, and, man, he's got to find something. Like, he has to, right? He's, he's finding it. He's having a great round today. I know it doesn't mean much in what the event is, but still – 6,900. You got to at least think about it. I think, I guess Perez will be popular down here. I kind of like Neesmith fairways greens does his thing. I think he's shown a little more upside this year than most people will, will see and think. So I like him. Uh, Audrey Arnaus is another guy that again, he, he actually wins uh, one over recently on the DP world tour, actually like about a month and a half ago or so. And he's looking pretty good on paper here at 6,700. I think he could be someone you go with a uh, couple others. Lahiri, Another guy, again, almost like Neesmith, where it's just the type of season he's having that people will never put him on a pedestal, nor should they, but that's why they're priced at this price, but they've been having a better year than you probably think. So I think that's interesting down here. Uh, who else? I had a couple more. Danny Willett, anytime it's you know a field strength like this, and then the fact that it could play a little bit harder and all of that, I think he's interesting. Wyndham Clark, I would like him more if it's uh, the winds go down a bit, but he is a bomber, right? He can get it out there, do his thing, sink. You talked about old guys and link style courses like Kucher. There's a discount version in sync and he's actually long off the tee long enough, at least. And then the guy, I think that will get popular, but maybe for good reason. Uh, Callum Taron has been playing some good golf. He's down here at 6,300. 
I don't know. Like it's just, if you make a, make a cut, I don't think he's going to give you the full upside. Like we saw last week, again, much stronger field, but he's priced that way for a reason. And he is down there. So 6,300, I'd have a little bit of interest in him as well. Yeah. A lot of the same for me. I like Perez. Uh, I like Arnaus. Uh Ryan Palmer has actually played pretty well here. Uh, you know, in the past, he's gained a bunch of strokes total um, at this event the last three years. And he's used to playing in those Texas wins. I don't hate that play uh, at his price at $6,800. Steven Yeager, right behind him again, another guy who, who knows his way around the European tour on these European courses with a good short game. Um, Arnaus, of course I'm in uh, Patty Harrington's interesting uh, with 185 mile per hour ball speed. Uh, now uh, pounding it like Bryson out there, just punishing balls. Again, another guy in the top 12 uh, in strokes game total uh, in the last three times this course, uh, in the last three times this event has been played, he's just coming off a major win uh, on the senior tour. Uh, I don't mind him at that price throwing a little bit of a flyer on the old man, Danny Willett. Uh, yeah, I can get behind Danny uh, at that price. And then once you get to the 6,500 and less range, you're, you're struggling uh, just a little bit. I know Jack Sr. played well at the Irish Open last year. He's a name that sometimes you can get behind uh, at these Lynx-style courses. Uh, and, of course, Callum Tarrant down there at 6,300. I think those are two choices you can get down uh, in, in the cheaper range. Anybody else we miss? I like the Harrington one, though. 18th last year and then ninth the year that it was playing tougher as well. You talked about the mm-hmm. senior major. Uh, just another guy that's been playing some good golf still. So I, I think it's a good spot. Yeah, I don't hate that one. All right, let's get to uh, bets for this week. I'll go ahead and go first. Uh, I went ahead with Matthew Fitzpatrick. Uh, 18 to 1 was the first bet that I put in. I, I just, I think he could do it again. I, I, I think the confidence is there and the game seems perfect, especially his current game now. I know his, his around the green game hasn't been the best, but overall, you know, that's basically one of the best parts of his game uh, when it comes down to it. Uh, then I go, I got Fleetwood at 45 to 1. Um, I got Hatton at 65 to one on Minwoo Lee at 110 to one. So those are the four bets that I have right now. I'll probably add one or two as the week goes on. Yeah. See, I like, I, I don't have those bets, but what I like is like 45 was what for Fleetwood and 65 yeah. for Hatton. Yeah. That's where I'm saying, like, I would just bet those before I bet Fox at 50. Like I, I like those yeah. bets. I like those players. I like their upside, their caliber, their talent, everything to go with it. I'm not trying to discount the guys. Just why I'm discounting the number on the bet. I don't like that number. I thought, you know, he should be 80 plus in my opinion, maybe more. And so that's just the way it is. I bet Spieth at 30. I like, I think that number is big for Spieth. Like we said, we know what he can do. He's still having a great year. He's been striking it better. And so if we can find sort of all that combination coming together, he knows what it's required, what's required to win here. And so if he can go put it all together for this time, I think it could be like, the Cameron Smith type situation at the players, except it's speed here. So 30, I like that two guys at 80, Aaron Rye to do it again. I just like his talent. I think, again, this is a better setup for him. And then Bobby Mack, same number 80. I just love that at 80. Like, again, I think it's a big event. We, we keep saying like he'll win a big boy event. He doesn't, but at least the number is 80. So I'll, I'll take it. And I think he's shown up in enough strong fields of majors and all these factors where he's been right in the top 20, top 15 could come out at an event like this, get the job done. So I like Bobby Mack at 80. Luke List, 125, Victor Perez, 175, and then Arnaus, 200. And those are all with the top five each way. So, or top eight, sorry, actually this week. So top eight each way on Rye, McIntyre, List, Perez, and Arnaus. And then remind uh, remind everyone quick, Kenny, but we got the Barbasol 
this week. I'm not sure if you looked at that, but I'll drop a trio. I got three that I liked this morning. I, I didn't like some of the numbers, like Ryder at 40. I wanted him at a better number, but I got Sig at 50. Don't hate that. Whaley at 80 and Chase Seifert at 90. I thought that one was interesting. Again, I think he's a guy that could find his way to the top there. Seifert at 90 was the one I liked the best. It's just for the number and for the value. Did you look at Barbasol at all? Or I have not. I have not. I have not looked at Barbasol yet. Yeah, sometimes it's, take... it's crazy odds. Like Goddard-up's already like 20 or 25 or so. I think he, you could have got him at 30 or something this morning. I would have liked that a lot more. But, you know, depending on where, what you've got, it's a little bit interesting. But uh, I like it just from the betting perspective more so than anything else. But nothing else for me when it comes to the Barbasol. Yeah, for one and done, I think I'm going Fleetwood. If I haven't used them, I think that's where I'm going to go. Uh, Fleetwood uh, is going to be my one and done. What about you? I think it's probably Hatton. Maybe uh, maybe Hideki. I don't have much left there, so it might, it might actually be Hideki, but maybe Hatton. I think if I, you know, depends what it looks like. If Hatton gets super popular or something, and maybe move off, but uh, he hasn't been playing the best. It's just his results here have been decent, so I kind of like that. His price on DraftKings, I like a lot more. One thing, too, forgot to remind everyone, Kenny, real quick. Before we close this thing out, put the comment down. So like, subscribe for Mayo Media Network. But remember to put your comment in. We are still doing it. I forgot to talk about this earlier, the contest. So uh, first off, we've got to fill the listener league up for this week. That will decide, because last week we missed by just a little, but that will decide if we get 1500 for the Open or 1250 The bigger, the better, right? So if you can fill up this week for the listener league, that's important. Secondly, the comment for the, your fade in the 8K range. Put it in this video, leave your DraftKings handle, get a bonus ballot for your five-star review and rating with your DK name on Apple Podcasts because we are going to give away eight $25 Millie Maker tickets. They did not drop the hundred. So we're going to do the same $200 worth and it's going to be four tickets to two people. So it's not, we're not doing eight tickets where you got to find everyone, each person for 25 bucks. It's just too many. So two people will win and we'll get four $25 tickets. So hundred dollars worth of tickets for four shots at winning a million dollars. So I think that's pretty good reason to go and do it. That'll help us out a ton. If you guys can do that for us. All right. That sounds great. You can find me on Twitter at Kendo VT. You can find my article on gupscorner.com. Use promo code Kenny, save yourself 30% on a membership. You can find me on Twitter at toe tag and Tambo. We'll have the tidbits out every Wednesday. As always, if you guys don't follow me there, do so I'm giving away more Millie maker tickets as well. Every hundred retweets is going to be a hundred dollars worth of tickets. So uh, go after it this week. When you see it come out on Wednesday morning, just retweet that thread. The main one, it gets the information out to more people, as many people as possible that can see it, the better for everybody gets you in the draw for more tickets. And then any, anything else you can find me at rumpuresports.com. Head on over there. Use promo code DGEN50, D-E-G-E-N-5-0. Gets you 50% off your first month, all sports, one price, always a lot going on there. And then, of course, with the Open coming up next week, now is just the perfect time to round it out for golf and then all the other sports that are ongoing. Yeah, we got a couple of great fields across the pond coming up on nice, beautiful link-style courses. The home of golf should be a fun watch. Early morning golf. You got to love it. Let's win some motherfucking money. D-Gen Nation. I've been getting dirty money, Jordan Belfer. Stacking penny stocks while I'm flipping these birds. Sipping on Ciroc. Rip them up with the word.